Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. He is Jay Morrison. Jay, the Bengals are firmly in the playoff picture after their week 14 win over the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Jake Browning pulled out another win as the Bengals starting quarterback, uh, 34 or 14 over the Colts. Bengals are now seven and six. They're squarely back in the AFC wildcard race, Jay. I mean, I don't think any of us expected this after Joe Burrow went down against the Ravens. And here we are two weeks later. There is no doubt the Bengals have a path to the playoffs, even if they're not in as a wild card right as we speak. They're not currently in the picture, but they're right there. And they actually absolutely have a chance over this last month of the season to get in. Yeah. I mean, tell me a quarterback that's played better the last two weeks than Jake Browning. And it's not like they're playing slappies. I mean, the teams that they beat are current playoff teams. One was on the road. I mean, it's it's been remarkable. And, you you know, we'll, we'll get into the game here, but it's just I, I think everybody kind of feels like it's that that I don't want to say beginner's luck, but that the whole kind of feeling out period and, and just waiting for that the other shoe to drop it's kind of a it's built into the Cincinnati fan mentality that something is eventually (laughs) going to go wrong and you thought you saw that when the Colts scored 20 or scored two touchdowns in 25 seconds to have the Bengals blow a 14 point lead going into halftime you're like okay here here it comes and then Browning comes out and was just 10 of 11 in the second half just terrific I it's remarkable I mean I I thought he had a chance to play well I thought a chance they had to be competitive and interesting and what's happening is it's just uh, beyond, I think, anybody's expectations. It, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, he was number one in EP play, the EPA per play this week. He had the what's the second best QBR in the league behind Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford, 71.5 QBR, number five in completion percentage over expectation. I think he was number one last week. It, it's an incredible performance. And I think especially from people that watched Jake Browning during the preseason and saw Obviously, he was playing with backups and playing, you know, against other backups. And th- but when that's your vision of a, of a quarterback, I mean, it, it takes a while, I think, to get over that kind of idea of of this guy's upside. Here we are two weeks later. I mean, he's not Joe Burrow, but I mean, this offense looks better than it did with Joe Burrow playing quarterback, which I don't think you ever would have said. Uh, Jake Browning, 18 of 24 for 275 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, one touchdown on the ground. I think he was an incredibly impressive performance, not only just from a statistical standpoint, but how many times did he have pressure in his face and stood stood in the pocket, delivered the ball, found the right guy to throw the ball to. Incredibly accurate performance. We'll get into the other kind of weapons and the way that the coaching staff helped Jake Browning win this game and how they've been doing so these past couple of weeks. I think you really have to feel good about Jake Browning. And man, I think he's absolutely made himself a lot of money, right, <laughs> over mm-hmm. over these past couple of weeks, whether it was with the Bengals or someone else. And maybe that's something we could get into down the line of, of is Jake Browning the long-term backup on this team? Maybe they could trade him for a pick somewhere <laughs> down the line. <laughs> who, who knows? You know, there are a lot of quarterback needy teams around the league, but you have to feel good about about how he's playing. And it's it's just very surprising. It's very surprising to see this effort. You add in the running game that we saw yesterday from the Bengals, from, from Chase Brown and Joe Mixon. Where, where, what can't this offense do? They put up 30 points in the past couple of games, like you said, against defenses who are, they're not the best defenses in the league, but they're, they're pretty good. They're impressive. They're middle of the pack. You've got all these working pieces. You put up 30 points where Jamar Chase is barely involved in the offensive game plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, it's a really impressive performance. And I, and I think it shows that the Bengals are not just, like you said, they're not, we're not waiting for the other shoe to drop anymore. They're absolutely back in this wild card mix, and if they get, if they get to the playoffs, I, you absolutely have to feel like they can make some noise at this point too. 
Yeah, because it feels like the defense is kind of turning a corner too. And yeah. uh, quick quiz for you. Um, another quiz. Another quiz. Stat, from Jay. Stats. Put me yeah. On the spot. Yeah. A stat slash quiz. Okay, so they've scored thirty four in back to back weeks. How many times in franchise history have they done that? Mm. That is a good question. I'm going to say eight. A little more. 19. So Okay, way off, way off. You know, they, they did it last year with Joe Burrow. Um, they, they, they've only done it three times in a row once. So that's what's at stake this week. I don't know if they're going to get 34 against yeah. that Minnesota defense, but that just shows you how hard this is. And, it, and this is it's 1968 to current. So it's yeah. you know all the different eras and all the great offenses they've had. They've had an MVP in Boomer Sison. Ken Anderson had those incredible offenses. I mean, 34 in back-to-back weeks and and you know, you said Jacksonville had a decent defense and, and the Colts Absolutely. didn't have a great defense, but they had an opportunistic defense, which, which yeah. we saw, they got the pick six and um, they've had a turnover in every single game this year, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really, really been impressive the way that they've, they've kind of, I don't, I don't know if I want to say they're playing better than, than when Joe Burrow was there. Cause Zach was quick to point that out last night in, in the press conference that, they felt like this offense was really coming on before Joe got hurt, really since the Arizona game. And that that Pittsburgh game, Browning's first career start was the outlier that they lost mm-hmm. 16 to 10. Um, and, and there's some truth to that it's just it's different now. The, the 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 leaning into the screen game, leaning into the run game, whether that was the plan all along mm-hmm. had Joe not gotten hurt, because it's December. You know, you you see that this time of year, teams start going to the run. I don't know if that would have been the case had Joe not gotten hurt, but it, it just suits this offense perfectly with with Jake Browning. It takes some pressure off of him, and you introduce Chase Brown into this mix, and he's just been fantastic. And it's just it's it's all coming together. And you know, there's a lot of fire Zach people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after even before Burrow got hurt, and they are very very quiet right now. This is this has really been impressive. I mean. Seriously, think about it. If, if they go on a run here and, and make the playoffs, does does he get votes for coach of the year? Oh, you'd have he, for, take dude, a backup absolutely. quarterback and do if this continues. I mean, I think you would have to. He's never been seriously considered. Even the year they went to the Super Bowl, it was you know Burrow carried him, and I, I can't remember mm-hmm. where he was in the voting, but he was way down the list. Yeah. Um, he, he's never been high on. He's never been high on the list of coaches most likely to get fired either. So that's a good thing yeah. for him. But um, yeah, I think. Uh, a, a lot of a lot more respect is going to be put on him if, if we see this continue. Absolutely, I, I think you would have to. And there are a lot of a lot of coaches working with backup quarterbacks around the league. Obviously, at this point in the season, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think it, you, you've seen this performance the past couple of weeks. I think you'd have to put Zach Taylor in there, and then also talk about Brian Callahan. I'm, you know, the work that he would be doing behind the scenes in terms of game planning for this offense. It's going to help him this offseason. I would think get a job He's to get interviews at least. To work with a backup quarterback and design an offense like this, and and you're right, I, maybe better isn't the right word, but a little more cohesive. It looks more cohesive now. Yes, this consistent. offense they're running now more consistent. I think you have to look at the running game when you talk about that too. I mean, 230 scrimmage yards between Joe Mixon and Chase Brown. Chase Brown. I mean, we saw him last week. You know, kind of his coming out party. This week, I don't even know what you would call it. <laughs> more than a coming out party. Mm-hmm. Three screens for 84 yards, 54 yard touchdown. 22 plus miles per hour, second fastest speed in the NFL this entire season. I mean, I think we knew he was fast, but didn't know he was that fast. I mean, only DK Metcalf has been faster this season. It's incredible. Faster than Tyreek Hill. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think 
I'm not sure if we knew that it was it was that type of athleticism that was available in Chase mm-hmm. Brown, but I think he can absolutely become a weapon over the second half of this season. And maybe, you know, we talked about it last week that the Colts play a lot of cover three and the seams and the flats were going to be the, the place where they would attack. So I think we, we saw that bear out that Jake Browning, 14 of his 24 targets went to running backs and tight ends. And 12 of his 18 completions went to running backs and tight ends. We, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins had a little bit of contributions, but to see them, to see the Bengals be able to put up this cut, this type of production without throwing a touchdown to the, any of their wide receivers while using Tanner Hudson and Chase Brown and Joe Mixon. And then you talk about the offensive changes, I think, that we saw from this coaching staff. Just more more creativity, I think, in addition to that kind of consistency. You're seeing things like a fullback dive to Joe Mixon for a first down, right? <laughs> you're seeing Tanner Hudson go like in orbit motion. Yeah. You're, you're seeing, you know, at least runs go to the outside instead of just straight up the middle, try and create those explosive plays. All these little changes, I think, that maybe we would have seen had Joe Burrow been here too. Maybe that, maybe that was coming down the line. But I think to see that kind of those specific changes that this Bengals staff has made to make things a little easier on Jake Browning combined with Browning's improved performance himself. This offense can absolutely put up points. We've seen that for a couple of weeks now. I, I don't really see that changing anytime soon. No. And I, it, this is speculation, but it's from talking to people. They haven't come right out and say it, but the, the thing is Joe Burrow was very particular and they were deferential to to what he likes. And and if he doesn't like it, we're not going to use it. And, and they, it was almost kind of, it's not like Joe Burrow was the offensive coordinator, but they, they absolutely tailored things to what he liked. I, I think Jake Browning's a lot more open to, to some yeah. of these things. And I think that's why you're seeing some of this new stuff put in there and then you see it works. And, and, and it's not like it, Jake Browning doesn't have a say because they do, they ask him and Zach talked about it, that, that going into that Jacksonville game, um, the, the morning of the game, they had their meeting and he said, take that play off the call list. I don't, mm. I don't like that play. And Zach didn't ask why he just, he just said, okay. And he, he took it off the list for that night. And they, they still have tons of plays on that, on that list that could get called. But, uh, I, I thought that was telling that he is as a, a, not a young guy, but an inexperienced guy willing to step up and, and say that. And, mm. you know, you go back to that, what, what they talked about in the, in the Baltimore game, when he gets thrown in there after the Burrow injury and they're asking him what he likes, what he doesn't, he's like, I don't care. Just call it. I'll make it work. Mm-hmm. And, and that was his mindset in that moment when his head's swimming, but then he has time to process everything and he does have thoughts, but I don't think he's as particular as Joe Burrow. And it just, it seems a lot in a lot of ways that the Bengals are like, well, you don't want to upset Joe. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not like he's running the show, but he has a bigger say than a lot of players do. And, and now that it's Jake and he's more open to things, it, it just creates this opening where they they are able to experiment a little bit and then things start working and it starts building on it. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's really been, it's not just the the production. It's been the way they've gone about scoring 34 these last two weeks. It's been so impressive. That's an interesting point too. It's like, I mean, Joe Burrow is the highest paid or one of the highest played players in NFL history. He's, you know, won a college championship. He's a perennial super, uh, MVP candidate. Obviously he's going to have a say in how this offense works and, mm-hmm. And be able to do plays he likes. And Jake Browning doesn't have any sort of track record like that. So he obviously has to do what the coaching staff says. But that, that's that's good to hear because I think that's kind of what you want out of a coach, right? Your job as a coach is to assist the players and get the most mm-hmm. out of the players. And there's no point. I think that's such an old, kind of an old school NFL view, right? Well, you're doing the plays that we say. We control how this offense looks. You're trying to win games. You're trying yeah. to put up points. If the quarterback doesn't want to run these plays, then 
that's that's good to hear. I think that the staff is willing to hear what he says. Jake Browning is an incredibly intelligent guy. I think don't know mm-hmm. him personally, but he seems intelligent. For him to grasp, I think these offensive concepts, and he's been here for for a while, but to execute this offense like this, I think is a really good sign. And it's it's interesting if you look at how this Bengals season has developed, like the different kind of offensive structures they've had to go through from those that first stretch of games where Joe Burrow couldn't move or thought he couldn't move mm. to a little more open of an, of an attack when he got healthy to he's out and they're flailing against the Steelers uh, against the Ravens and then against the Steelers to where they are now where it seems like they finally found some sort of plan that's going to work every week. It, it goes back to the coaching staff. I think you, you have to, you have to give them credit for kind of working through this, it's a roller coaster of a season, more so than any other season. That the, I, I, the season that Joe Burrow tore his ACL obviously was a roller coaster. This is a different type of roller coaster in a situation that they really haven't had to manage so far. I think they're doing a pretty good job of it, and I, and I think you've just got to feel good that that will continue, pretty much regardless of opponent. Uh, I it'll be interesting when we get into this this Minnesota Vikings preview here in a second to see how they'll. This will be an interesting new challenge uh, when they face this Brian Flores defense, but. I think you have to feel good that at least every week they will have a chance to put up this sort of this, this sort of points. Yeah, and, and you know maybe not need them, and and they yes they needed every bit of them against Jacksonville. They did not yesterday, yeah. um, and, and you know that's that kind of goes back to where where this defense is and how this defense is starting to come along. These young kids are starting to grow up. Trey Hendrickson is getting into blackout Trey mode. Yes. It was yes. I mean he he may end up with another sack. Uh, he already had two yesterday. They're, they are going to review the one where Minshew's arm got hit. It was ruled a pass and an interception for B.J. Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't even say that. There was a phone call to the press box. I don't know if it was Trey's agent or a representative, Trey, but they were instantly asking for that play to be reviewed wow. for it to be a fumble so he would get the sack, uh, whoever it was that was calling, and Bengals – we're like, we, we go over these things every week. It, it will be reviewed this week. So, you know, there, and this, it, it's not rare. We, we've seen these kind of things, these, these scoring changes happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if it does, if he, then he would it'd be at 14 and a half instead of 13 and a half and be right there with the league lead. Um, he's just, he's been incredible. And it, it kind of, I know I'm kind of getting off on a, a tangent here, but what we talked about with that, with the offense rebounding from mm-hmm. the, the, Given up 14 um that started with trey i mean that they it it should have been 14 nothing and they, the, the colt should have been punting from deep in their own end and he has that that ridiculous you know two steps yeah. plow Minshew in the back personal foul for roughing the passer and then they they go on this long 17 play drive uh cut it in half and then a couple of plays later the pick six i mean <laughs> I, i'm sure he was feeling awful about that and he was i wanted i really did want to ask him about it and he was gone by the time we got out of zach and got into the locker mm-hmm. room um but he played like uh, i mean just that that blackout tray mode after that i it, i mean it was really impressive what he was able to do what that defense was able to do and you know you just get some semblance of what they're doing on offense mm-hmm. right now and get this defense to continue. And there's no reason to think they can't three and one, maybe run the table. Anybody, anybody scared of the chiefs right now? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting and remarkable to be sitting here on December 11th and, and talking about the Bengals being seven and six <laughs> and in the playoff mix. It, it definitely is. And just on that defense real quick, I think, 
the run defense was really impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 46 rushing yards from the Colts, 2.6 yards per carry. I think that was a good sign. I mean, you've, I think you kind of knew that the the Colts would try and get the run game uh, established, and they really weren't able to in any capacity. Um, and, and they did stop explosive plays for the most part. I mean, Michael Pittman ended up with a decent day, but a lot of that came in, in garbage time. You know, it wasn't that wasn't really affecting the game too much. Pretty pretty happy with that defensive performance overall. Um, but I want to go back to the offensive line real quick, though, because I think yeah. if you talk about how this offensive how this offense is playing as a whole, you've got to give some credit to this front five that's been much maligned i think at various points this season but it's but it's playing much better jay and i think if 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 this kind of offensive production is going to and we saw it we saw browning have some pressure in his face but that happens every in every game to every quarterback i i think for the most part this offense is is playing the best they've played all season i would say and that goes to the players i think that goes to a little credit to frank pollock too who i think is has, has gotten some some uh had been maligned this year a little bit yeah, and it goes back to you know, establishing the run a little bit and, and yeah. getting that going, and that just slows down the defense. And they, I mean, the the sacks that they've given up, it, it's a, it's a volume thing where the Bengals are just constantly dropping back to pass. And yes, if you if you're throwing 40, 45 times a game, you're going to take more sacks. Yeah. Um, it was it, you know Zach was really complimentary of the O line in Browning's first start against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh got some heat on him. And it's T.J. Watt, and it's Alex Highsmith. That that's going to happen. Um, and then. Uh, the Jacksonville game, you know, again, they they played well in that game. They it wasn't Jake Browning running for his life, and a lot of it's you know getting the ball out quick and all that. Going into going into Sunday's game against Indy, they'd given up a sack in 42 straight games that tied the franchise record. It was the second longest streak in the NFL. The Broncos were at 50 games in a row allowing at least one sack, and they finally did it. They pitched a shutout. They they held the Colts without one. First time they'd done it. This is the weirdest thing ever. That it was the first time that they held a team without a sack since week three of 2021 at Pittsburgh. And that game snapped Pittsburgh's NFL record streak of 75 consecutive games with a sack. So it's just weird that the, those two long streaks started yeah. at the same point. Really um, and, and another part of this is, yeah, you know, they're they're coming up with a better run scheme with Frank. And there is something to the fact, too, that, you know, Orlando Brown was was new to the line this year and, and Jonah was new to the right side. So there was a little bit of a, you know, you still got four returning starters, but there was some change there. Yeah. And this continuity and the, the Bengals now, the same five guys have started all 13 games. They're, they're one of only three teams in the league can say that the Bills and Broncos also. You know, we saw this last year. The O-line kind of started playing better as the season went along they went 15 games in a row starting the same offensive line. And then Lael Collins gets hurt in New Orleans or not in, in New England. And, and uh, Jonah gets hurt against the the Ravens. And um, I, I can't remember the order that Kappa went down right before yeah. the playoff game. Um, it, it just, it, they all started falling. Ted Karras gets hurt in the Buffalo playoff game and guts yeah. it out. And yeah. it was not a hundred percent for Kansas city. So, you know, I'm sorry for the people out there that believe in jinxes, even though they're not real. <laughs> but I know I just mentioning I know some people are going to be mad, but it's remarkable. I mean, 15 in a row last year, the same five offensive linemen started 13 yeah. this year. And I think I think that's part of it. I think that's why you're seeing this O-line starting to play better. And, you know, maybe there's something that's maybe a deeper story diving into 
asking these guys, does Jake Browning's style suit you guys better? Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this coincidence that all of a sudden the O-line is playing so much better since Jake Browning came in? Yeah, and and I think it's you're you're right that just running the ball more is good mm. is good for the offensive lineman too. I mean, talk to any offensive lineman; they like to run block more than they like to pass block. They like to exert their will on the defense, right? And I, I think it, I think you can get get an offensive line going like that too, and really get them in a groove mm-hmm. to the point where it does help, and and that continuity does help, and kind of co- that cohesive nature of knowing the guy next to you and how you're going to handle double team blocks and how you're going to run duo and how you're going to run outside zone concepts. You can't overstate, I think, how important that is to have that kind of relationship between those five guys who can kind of work as one unit together. Mm -hmm. So I think that's definitely been part of this kind of offensive resurgence over these past few weeks. Um, Let's talk about where the Bengals stand in the playoff picture because they're absolutely back in the race. But before we do, let's talk about the PFN merchandise store, Jay. We've got the holidays coming up. I've still got to do a lot of shopping. You might have to. (laughs) I don't know. But the PFN merchandise store is now open for the holiday season. PFNmerch.com. You got shirts. You got sweaters. You got hats. You got more. Everything you need for the football fan in your life, including some Bengals gear, Jay. Maybe I'm not saying you need to buy me a a Christmas present, but if you did... (laughs) I'm just saying it could be there. I think they've got some promo codes too. So act now to take advantage. Go to pfnmerch.com. Get all the gear you need for the football fans in your life for the holidays. Check it out now. Jay, let's talk about this playoff picture. Bengals are currently the 10th seed in the AFC, but I think that kind of understates where they actually are because there are a ton of 7-5 and five teams in the AFC. You've got the Browns as the number 5 seed. They're 8-6. and six. And you've got the Steelers at 6, Colts at 7. What What'd you say? Browns are eight and five, right? And then a bunch of seven and six. Eight and five. Eight and yeah. five. You're right. Eight and five. You're right. They're eight and five. And then we got a ton of seven and fives. The Steelers, uh, seven and six. God, I'm totally getting these records wrong. <laughs> seven and six. Steelers, Colts, Texans, Broncos, Bengals, Bills, all seven and six. It's a total muddled mess here. New York Times playoff predictor has the Bengals at a 25% chance to make the playoffs. So one and four. To me, I guess that feels about right, given the nature of where this this kind of playoff picture is. But there are some teams that in this mix that I just don't feel very good about. I mean, I, I wouldn't feel good if I were a Steelers fan right now. Um, the Texans are dealing with an injury to CJ Stroud. Looks like he has a concussion. Nico Collins got hurt. Tank Dell got hurt last week. You know, I, I think the Bengals stack up pretty well among this group of teams, the only team uh, among this group, I would say that's clearly, clearly better than the Bengals, I think is the bills. And if you look at point differential and stuff like that, I think the bills are, are definitely one of the NFL's best teams, even if their record doesn't show it. I, I think the Bengals have a good chance. We'll get into this kind of schedule that they have over the rest of the season. Their schedule is tough, but it's not, it's not as tough as some of the other schedules that the other teams in this mix have to face. Jay, what do you, what do you think? Does like one in four sound right to you in terms of, a chance to get in is a wild card team, higher, lower. Like, where, where do you stand on that? I think I think their chances are higher. I, I mean, you mentioned some of the teams have harder schedules. I haven't looked at them all, but I, I think part of the reason that it it's only twenty five percent is all four teams remaining on the schedule are currently in the playoffs where they stand right now. Right. And you know, you're talking about four and zero oh definitely gets you in. Three and one probably does. And and I think, you know, the however they come up with these percentages, I think there's probably giving a low chance of winning in Kansas City. And I think that's a big part of it. And then just the struggles they've had against Cleveland. I'm not sure how much they look into past performance and stuff, but um I I I feel like their chances are better. I 
the Buffalo thing is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that offside penalty is not called last night, we are talking about an absolute disaster. The Bills blowing it again, late game meltdowns, and you know the future of Sean McDermott yeah. and the all same that. week, the same week, the same week, all that huge stuff article came out. comes out about his leadership and everything. Yeah, it, and that one offsides call, yeah. it just changed everything. I mean, now. I mean, I think people are already kind of seeing cracks with with Kansas City. They absolutely look fallible now, and the Bills, yeah, they they look they're they're playing really well. And Bengals fans can not relax, but knowing that they have the head to head on Buffalo is is yes. really important. And that's one of the things where you know we've been putting out these playoff path path to the playoff articles and. Um, when we, when I tweeted out yesterday that the Bengals were currently the number seven seed ahead of the Texans, everybody was so confused about w- why, because the Texans beat the Bengals. And the, the, again, the, the, the important thing to remember here is anytime there's a multiple team tiebreaker, the first thing you do is whittle it down to one team per division. So right. if you got division teams in there that you put them together in division, 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 division tiebreakers and pull out the best one. So that's one of the really interesting things that that for Bengal fans, you either want the Texans to leapfrog the Jaguars and win the division, or if that doesn't happen, for the Texans and Colts to stay neck and neck. Because if those two finish tied, the way it stands right now, the Colts have the tiebreaker. So they eliminate the Texans, and then if it's Bengals-Colts in a head-to-head tiebreaker, the Bengals have that that edge based on yesterday's win. They have the head-to-head edge on, on Buffalo. Uh, they are never going to have the head-to-head edge on Pittsburgh and Cleveland, even if they beat both of them. Both of those teams already have three division wins. The best the Bengals can finish in the divisions two and four. So you need probably Pittsburgh to crater and just get out of the mix. uh, Which they could. Which which they could. Seems more likely than not. Um, And then Cleveland, you know, they're already a game ahead. There's three wildcard spots. If Cleveland finishes tied with the Bengals or one ahead, it's not that big of a deal. But you don't want to be in this mix where – where you're with both of those teams because you can't win the tiebreaker with either. If it's a multi-team tiebreaker, the one of those teams is going to push the Bengals out of it, um, yeah. and, and at some point you run out of spots. And they, it's like right now, you're, you, they went from they yeah. won the game and they're seventh, and then three hours later they're tenth. <laughs> it's it's crazy. There, it, it's almost it's almost like not even worth talking about because there are so many right. permutations that can happen. Right. I don't remember a, a, a season in recent memory where, where it was this kind of muddled and murky yeah. at this point in the season with so many teams kind of in the middle of the pack. I mean, we do our power rankings every week. I can find like six, seven, eight teams that I truly feel good about. And then the rest, everybody else is kind of in the middle of the pack. So when you could consider that, consider the schedule for all these other teams and the, the fact that they're all going to be playing each other, or at least a lot of them will be playing yeah. each other. It's really hard to figure out like what could happen, what might happen, what should happen. It, it, it's like kind of like that old adage, like a mm-hmm. one game at a time, you know, that's almost how we have to approach it because we just don't know anything. It's so, it's so up in the air at this point in the season, more, more than I can remember in recent memory. Um, all right. So this week against the Minnesota Vikings, It's a big game because every game is big at this point. Obviously, you need to win these games. It's not quite as big because it's in the NFC. It's not going to affect their conference record or anything like that. But at this point in the season, every game is critical. It doesn't doesn't really matter. I think that kind of detail doesn't really matter at this point in the season. One detail that does matter is the identity of the Vikings starting quarterback, which as of Monday morning, we really 
We're not sure who it's going to be. We think it'll be Nick Mullins. Why wouldn't it be Nick Mullins? <laughs> he took over for Josh Dobbs yesterday. Josh Dobbs, who was, of course, the darling of the NFL, what, a month ago when he was coming in and, and winning games for the Vikings and keeping them in the playoff race. He's just absolutely cratered over the past couple of weeks. So the Vikings brought in Nick Mullins yesterday. We're assuming he's starting against the Bengals on Sunday. Uh, he he started at points. He's, he started eight to ten games for the 49ers under the Kyle Shanahan uh, in, the, in the Kyle Shanahan offense. And he's bounced around since then. He's a journeyman NFL quarterback, I think we can say. Yeah. Um, Jay, I mean, this Vikings team, it's it's an interesting team to try and figure out. I mean, they won yesterday three to nothing against <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders in 2023. Three to nothing. Uh, they they might not have Justin Jefferson this week. I mean, yeah. he came back yesterday from IR after missing seven games, immediately got hurt again. He had a chest injury, apparently had to go to the hospital out of precaution. He did travel back to Minnesota, but who knows if he's going to play. We, we don't have any idea at this point in the week. It's an interesting time to be playing the Minnesota Vikings, I think we can say. Whether that means it's it's good for the Bengals or not, who knows, but it's 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 certainly an interesting time to be facing this Minnesota team. Yeah, I mean, not just the three to nothing win yesterday, but then, you know, they they had their bye before that. And then the week before that, I think everybody watched that. Well, maybe part of it, maybe they turned it off because it was so bad. But that Monday night game, it was 12 to 10 against the Bears. I mean, this is not an offense that I think scares anybody right now, especially if Jefferson's going to be out. And then you're talking about whether it's Mullins or Dobbs, whatever. I mean, it's not going to take 34 to beat this team uh, this week. And but it's again, it's it's the NFL. It's a team in the playoff mix. Uh, Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator, used to be he was with the Steelers. He knows this Bengals team well. Um, it, 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 there's just, I don't know. It, it it feels like that four and a half point spread is a little high. I know what everybody's looking at, but I I'd be surprised if if this was if this game looked like the indie game where they won it by twenty, where where you know they they build a fourteen point lead at any point this is a good vikings defense and yeah that offense is challenged but the vikings defense they're they're 10th in in total yards allowed they're fifth in rushing yards allowed 14th in passing yards allowed and allowed and fifth in points allowed that that's a solid unit and they're not they are healthy they're like that bengals offensive line they do not have a lot of injuries over there it's a cohesive group um I mean, think about it, but yeah, the Raiders aren't a great offense, but you hold anybody to yeah. three, they should have won that game. And um, I just, I can see this being a, a low scoring game where turnovers are going to be key. And that could be what works most in the Bengals favor. The Bengals are currently second in the league at, at plus 10 and turnover differential Vikings are minus five. They are way down at the bottom. So that line, I think the line has already started to move because I saw three and a half points. So I think it's, I think it's already started to move a little bit in the Vikings' mm-hmm. favor. Um, yeah, I think I'm not worried about this offense. Like they, they averaged three point three yards per play yesterday. I mean, it's <laughs> just, and, and we didn't even mention Alexander Madison. Their starting running back sprained his ankle yesterday. He might, he might not play. Eddie Ingram, right guard. Brian O'Neill, right tackle, also were injured yesterday. I mean, this is just an infirmary mm-hmm. for, for of our roster at this point. I mean, you. you you can't be scared of this offense. The defense is a different question, though, yeah. like you said, because this is just a crazy defense that Brian Flores is running in Minnesota right now. He leads the league in blitz rate, 44.3%. I mean, he was blitzing at over 50% of the time earlier this season. Uh, it's much different than what the Colts were doing. The Colts entered last week as the second to last in blitz rate. So it's a much different kind of scheme that Jake Browning is going to be playing. And then, Jay, I had you look up some numbers for me in terms of dropping eight 
in rushing three. The Vikings also lead the NFL in that. <laughs> so, they're, <laughs> so they're leading the NFL in bringing blitz and in, and in dropping eight. And it's I, I've never seen a defense yeah. be run like this. Uh, they're also number one in run blitz rate, according to Cody Alexander on Twitter. And they don't run a lot of stunts in games, though, in, in terms of defensive line doing twists and stuff like that, which we've seen the Bengals have trouble with. So I wonder if that's something Flores will pick up on and say, hey, maybe we'll add this to this week's game plan. I, I'm very curious to see how we talked about this offensive line is playing well, how they'll handle this blitz attack, how they'll handle things when the Vikings drop eight. And how we've seen Jake Browning do well with pressure in his face, but what's it going to look like if, if he's getting blitzed? I mean, could Brian Flores dial up blitzes 75% of the time? We've seen him do that in games this year. I, mm-hmm. I could see him doing that. I, I think Jake Browning, like on paper, is the type of quarterback that Brian Flores loves to attack. An, an experienced guy who hasn't been in the NFL, who you know might have a little bit of jitters or, or whatnot. I don't know. Maybe Jake Browning these past couple weeks have given him enough confidence to where he can go out and face a defense like this. I bet Brian Flores is licking his chops, but I, I'm very curious to kind of see how this how this turns out on Sunday. Yeah, I'd like to go look. Uh, maybe I'll do that first thing after we finish this show. But I'd like to look at the the week by week blitz percentage for Minnesota. What's it look like when they play a team with elite wide receivers? Because you know, if if he's gonna blitz a yeah. lot, either T or Jamar is gonna be one on one. And and Jake Browning, you said it earlier. He's not Joe Burrow, but he is a very intelligent guy. He's very good at reading pre-snap reads and processing. And if he gets a one-on-one with those guys, he's going to stand in there and deliver the the, the shot. He's going to take the deep shots. He's not been afraid to throw the ball down the field um, through these these first three starts. So um, it is. It's going to be interesting. Um, that dichotomy is crazy. I don't I, I don't know if that's just all about keeping the the offense off off balance where like, I think oh, so yeah are they bringing everybody or are they bringing right. nobody I mean it's really hard we've seen Lou Anarumo do that where he went heavy in the second half of that AFC championship game and just started dropping eight like crazy against Patrick Mahomes that that's really what led to that comeback uh, and sent them to the Super Bowl so you you can confuse even the best of quarterbacks when when you're mixing it up like that so um yeah I just it's I, I don't know. I, I, I guess they don't either. They, they, they'll have an idea. They'll have a prediction of what they think he's going to do. They'll yeah. have to be prepared for both, obviously. Uh, but that, that is going to be one of the really interesting things to watch in that game. And I, I do feel like I should point out right now, I mean, you guys all know this uh, at, at VFN. This is going to be a weird game for me because it's going to be the first Bengals game I have not watched in a very long time maybe the first one i've ever not watched since i started covering the team as a beat writer in 2012 Uh, my son graduates from college Mm -hmm. at two (laughs) o'clock on saturday (laughs) he's going to be on the floor at the convocation center at ohio university watching the Bengals game on his phone i'm sure i'm going to be up in the stands (laughs) doing the same thing um just a weird situation but you know uh, he's put in a lot of hard work. He's graduating a civil engineering de- degree, obviously very proud of Braden yeah. um, and cannot miss that for even for a football game. So even for my job. Uh, so if uh, if you don't see tweets from me on Saturday about the game, <laughs> that is why. But I will have plenty of coverage leading up to the game. I will be back down at P- Paycor Stadium on Sunday, the day after the game to get reaction from the game. I just will not be there for those three hours when yes. they play the Vikings. Of course, of course. And congratulations to him, an Ohio University graduate. We love it. And, you know, civil engineering, he can try that out if he ever wants to come. (laughs) Then, you know, we'll we'll have him too if he ever needs a job here. So congratulations (laughs) to him. That'll be great. Um, The the last thing on the defense for the Vikings, I would say, 
I think what's being that we're kind of leaving unsaid is the re, maybe the reason they do all this is they're just not that talented on defense. It's like they don't they don't have a, a ton of top line players. Danielle Hunter is is a really good edge rusher, and Harrison Smith, you know, he's good. He's getting up there. It, it's a it's a team I, I would say that's below average in terms of like talent base on defense, which mm-hmm. I think I think Brian Flores is probably like working against that and trying to wreak havoc, you know, and, and, and instead of just letting his guys go out and win, he's like, let's let's absolutely make this offense think about every conceivable possibility that could be coming on Sunday. So I, I would guess that's kind of his attitude towards defense these days. Yeah, it's a shame because one of their best players was having arguably the best year of his career in Jordan Hicks, the linebacker who's from right here in Cincinnati yes. from Lakota West and would have been a really fun homecoming game for him. There is another Ivan Pace Jr. Ivan um, Pace. Yeah, yes. he. I mean, he's this is homecoming for him as well. Um, so that that's a that'll be cool for him. And then we thought a storyline this week would be Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson together again. And yeah. now maybe Justin Jefferson doesn't play. But, uh, you know, another unique a- angle to this is it's different staff. But the the, the Minnesota game, uh, Jamar's rookie year, the season opener, that was mm-hmm. I remember that that entire preseason was why can't Jamar catch the ball? Yeah. And, and that was his breakout game. It was uh, early in that game. It, uh, Burrow threw him a, a kind of a mid-range out and put it way out in front of him. He had to go get it as opposed to getting him involved with an easy one that he could maybe think about while the ball is in the air. He went out and snagged it, made a really good catch, and they come right back with a 50-yard touchdown. And then Jamar has been Jamar ever since then. Um, so uh, this would be the the first time in – you know, they've fl- played the Vikings since that opener in 2021. Bengals won that game in overtime. A lot of storylines for for a, an AFC-NFC game. That, that's just not yeah. usually the case, but a lot of interesting links here with these two teams. Yeah. Yeah, and if Josh Jobs gets on the field again, I mean, they'll be playing him for the second time this year. Yeah. yeah they already, right. they already <laughs> faced him in Arizona, so like yeah. well, kind of game planning for him again. I don't know. Uh, let's get into our bets and our prediction for the week, Jay. What, what do we got for this week? Last week, we actually did surprisingly well. All of us. I, I, I can't yeah. believe it. How, how did we do last week? Yeah, we crushed it last week. So so Brian went Raiders plus three at Minnesota. Um, didn't even need it. They, they Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That that, that was a push. I, I, I yeah. marked that down as a win. That is a push. Okay. Um, so that is the only game that, uh, that we – didn't win. Uh, he did have a teaser. Bills plus eight and a half. Bengals plus seven and a half. Both won outright. That was that was easy. Um, you went Denver plus three at the Chargers. They won that outright. Uh, and then you had the the Bengals money line um, for for yesterday and and won that. Um, I went Bengals minus one and a half. Won that. And then Thursday easiest pick all year new england pittsburgh over it was 30 and a yeah. half there was no way that game was going to go over under it was over by halftime uh the, the point total was over by halftime the the game was not over by halftime so um i am now at plus 18 on the year uh you have moved up to minus 50 let's go getting closer and uh brian is it Plus fourteen. I am suddenly in the lead. I, I'd marked that down as a win. I thought Brian was still in the lead, and he is not. That was a push last week. So, what do you know? I'm I'm in the lead. All right. So we. I mean, this race is just as tight as the wild card race between it you is. and Brian. I mean, this is this is going to come down to the end here. Uh, I'll start off with mine since I'm really not in the race anymore. I'll start <laughs> off with my not. I'm actually going to go against the Broncos this week. I went with them last week. I'm going to take Detroit minus four against the Broncos. I know the Lions have been struggling. But I say get him back home and let him 
let Jared Goff get back into a rhythm. I, I just can't imagine he'll keep playing the way he is and keep turning the ball the, over the way he is. Uh, so I, I just think the Lions are more talented than the Broncos. Four points is enough for me to, to go with Detroit in this one. So it's a Lions plus four? Minus four. Minus four. Where is that game? In Detroit. In Detroit. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I have a hunch the Packers are going to win that division. The Lions just seem Ooh, like mm, – that's spicy. Yeah. Um, my non-Bengals bet, uh, I'm, I'm going opposite Brian. I'm, I'm going to go Dallas plus one and a half um, at Buffalo. I just – I'm okay. not buying the Bills. At Dallas seems like a different Dallas team. It, it was always can't beat the good teams. Yeah. Uh, they are – they are on one heck of a roll, and um, I don't know. I just I've got a hunch that that they're going to win that one easy. Uh, Buffalo kind of got away with one Sunday night, um, so that that'll be my non-Bengals one. Um, as I mentioned, you know Brian went with Bills minus one and a half in that game, and he's going with Philadelphia minus four at Seattle, looking for the bounce back for the Eagles. I'm not like sure that. I like that one either. I do like that one. I do, do like that one. I think Seattle's been Seattle's been reeling a little bit, and I know the Eagles have been too. But I, I think they're a much better team. They may not have DK Metcalf. He may get suspended. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, okay, my Bengals bet and prediction. I'm going to take the Bengals. I I just can't go with a, a Minnesota team that is starting McMullins. Might not have Justin Jefferson. There's just too many injuries and. I don't think the Bengals will put up as much point as many points as they have these past few weeks. So I'm going to go Bengals 23, Vikings 14. Uh, I do think they'll cover, so I'm going to I'm going to take the Bengals to cover. And I saw three point three and a half, but I, but they would cover four and a half too. I, I just think I think these teams are probably pretty close in where they are right now. But with with all the injury issues that Minnesota is facing, and how well Jake Browning is playing, they can keep getting Chase Brown and Joe Mixon involved to get this running game going. I just don't see any reason they can't make it three in a row. So I'm, I'm going to go Bengals 23, Vikings 14. Okay. I like the 23 number. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I'm going 23-20 Bengals. I, I just – I think they win um, hard for Minnesota to – although one thing I noted, uh, Indy was 5-1 and one in road games before they came to Cincinnati. Uh, Minnesota has now won five of their last six road games. Hmm. Um so, but still coming to Cincinnati is going to be a little different challenge. I think it's going to be close. Don't like that number at all. So for my bet, I'm, I'm going to do a teaser I'm mm. going to, and I, I had it at four and a half. So we'll, we'll stick with that. I'm going to tease the Bengals up to plus one and a half. And then the under was 39 and a half. So I'm going to tease that up to 45 and a half. Uh, look for, I think it's going to, it's going to look like what I thought the indie game was going to look like very low yeah. scoring, kind of a grinded out game. And uh, I'm going to go 23, 20. Okay. All right, so we, I think we both think a decently close game and and kind of a similar result here. So if so, we're going to be rooting for that, or well, we're not going to be rooting, but Bengals fans will be rooting for that. And then we'll watch the AFC playoff picture and see where the Bengals kind of stand after this week. I mean, they could have, they could be back right in as a wild card team. They could be further out of out of the playoff picture than they are. It, it's totally up in the air. There's a lot to watch this weekend, and we will be back next week to recap everything else. Jay. Anything else before we go? Congratulations to your son again. Oh, thanks. Enjoy that ceremony. Anything yeah. else before we sign off? Yeah, th- I mean, this is scoreboard watching nirvana for you Bengals fans. I, I standalone game at one o'clock on Saturday. Then you can go root for all the the other outcomes that you need. Yeah, immediately because yeah. the the Steelers and Colts play right after that, and then the Denver. Uh, Detroit game you mentioned uh, Saturday night, and then all the games Sunday. There's a lot to a lot of 
rooting interest in games beyond the Bengals. And then the same thing next week. They play yeah. a standalone game on Saturday against the Steelers. You can you can ignore your family all day on Christmas Eve and watch football and root against the teams that are. I plan to. The I plan to. Yeah, yeah, all of you guys can do that. <laughs> uh, so, so this is this this schedule. It's weird. I don't. I can't remember the last time the Bengals have ever played back to back Saturday games. Yeah, um, but it's. If, if that's what you want to do, if you want to root for the Bengals and then turn around and root against all the other seven and six teams, the, the schedule couldn't have lined up any better for you. You could spend the entire day on the couch, order some DoorDash, order some PFN merch. You've got, <laughs> you've got your entire Saturday and Sunday planned out for you here. It's, it's a big week for the Bengals. So come back next week. We'll recap everything that went down, good or bad. See where the Bengals stand. See how Jake Browning is playing. We'll go over it all next week when we're back to recap week 15. So until then, thank you for listening. Like and subscribe and review. And we will talk to you next week.